Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson. Yes, Lawson. <laughs> Lawson, that guy. Good to have you on the show, Lawson. Ah, oh, fantastic. What are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful that I can eat food. Okay. Sometimes. That's always yeah. an advantage. Eating yes. food is a distinct advantage in this mm, life. I'm also thankful that I can drink water. That, that's also a distinct that's a really advantage. I'm going to be talking about that in, in the next segment. So. Oh, okay. okay. Cool, cool, so, cool, so, cool. So, yeah. What are you thankful for, Lyle? I've got a couple of things I'm thankful for, and um, I'm running out of time to be thankful for stuff. I've got to try and fit all of them in before the end of the week because, of course, the uh, breakfast show does come to a close at the end of the week. And by the way, stay tuned, everybody. Because on Friday, we are going out with a bang. We've got a bunch of people coming into the studio. We're going to have live musicians. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's just going to, I'll, I'll share more about that maybe further on through the show. Ooh, but Okay. Uh, so okay. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Daylight Saving because I get to see the sunrise again. I was kind of starting to miss that. Now I get to see it again. Mm. Um, I'm thankful for pool parties and games nights. Oh, we had an epic games night yeah, last night. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Best game night ever. Um, lots of things to be thankful for. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. So Lawson, if you are thankful for eating food, I have to ask you the question, have you ever tried the alternative? Not eating food? Yes. Oh, I've done that a few times. How long was the longest you ever lasted? Um... Nearly five days. Five Nearly, days, and that that was that was like a legitimate fast. That was like a like okay, I want to stop eating food um, for the purpose of like I, I just felt really compelled that hey, like I need to fast. Like it was very much a faith thing, not uh-huh, you know, not uh-huh. a desperation thing or a depression yeah. thing. No, it was just like yeah, like <laughs> it was I, not Lawson locking himself in his room and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That like in terms of yeah, yeah. I was like, yep, I'm going to uh I'm gonna stop eating. And okay, so so you drank water of course. Yeah, drank lots yep. of water. And uh how long before the hunger pain did the hunger pains vanish or Oh yeah, it kinda goes in spikes, eh? Like waking up in the morning and then and then it gets better and then it gets worse by the end of the day. So yeah. But I I'd recommend it, it was really good. Wow. Cleanse right there, thorough cleanse. <laughs> We're back after the song. Help me find a way, help me find a way, way. to the promised land, land. this lonely body body needs a helping hand, hand. I ask the Lord Lord to help me please find a way, when a new day is a dawn, about my heading prayer, I pray to the Lord, won't you leave me there? Guide me safely to the golden stairs. Won't you let this body, your broken shirt? I pray to the Lord, won't you leave me, please? Leave me there. When the judgment comes, find the world in shame. 
when the trumpet blows. Won't you call my name? Won't you call my name? When the thunder rolls and the heavens rain, when the sun turns black, never shine again. Never shine again when the trumpet blows. Won't you call me, please? Call my name. That was Peter Paul and Mary here on Faith FM to wake you up in the morning. I think we were talking about this one at Games Night last night. Yeah, it's like, has this one played this week? That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Oh, so good. It's the best wake up song ever. It's just like, if you are, if you are just sort of like, ah, you know, and the, and the breakfast show is coming on and, and, and and, and then Peter Paul and Mary come on and you are awake and your heart is pumping and you are in the light. It's nearly a theme song for us because it's about, you know, early in the morning and looking for Jesus. Like, yeah, that's what we're doing here. That's all about. That's what it's all about. But um we should do a quiz. Uh, we should do a quiz. Why not? A quiz. A quiz. Let's do a quiz. Let's do them while we can. Get a prize while you can. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call. I feel like because I know I would, I feel like you're gonna get this on the flo- first clue. Okay. This is a who am I quiz. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Yeah. I debated with a group from the Sonic synagogue of the freed man. Um, 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 I need a pen and paper. Oh, anyway, oh. while I'm getting a pen and paper, what do you have for us in positively different news this morning? Okay, let me ask you this question, Lyle. I might not get this one. You know, I you, might not get you, this one. You're struggling. Wow, that's surprising. Okay, this is a favourite character. I'm just gonna go with. Uh, I'm just gonna go with. Um, you know. <laughs> Am I getting heading the right direction here? I can't see. I can't see your piece of paper. So. You can see me writing with my left hand, though. Oh, you're incorrect. Ah. <laughs> oh, I know who it is. Yeah, of course you do. I know who it is. It's, it's a classic. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite characters in the Bible. So I'm like, I'm like, for me anyway, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. But anyways, um, point is, okay, Lyle. Yes. What do you think the secret to happiness is? Knowing Jesus. Oh, that's quick. Beat well, that. Well, Beat that if you can. Look. There is some people who would agree with you, myself included, yes. but there are other people that would say, but that's not the only key to happiness. There are lots of things that make you happy, for sure. Exactly. But that is the key of the all The key. But see, the thing is, is that was, a lot of people say, you know, it's different experiences or spending time with people and whatnot. But a survey uh, from America has actually come to the conclusion that, no, um, one of the secrets to someone's happiness is if they drink enough water. Really? Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah, so um, this, this, this... So rather than taking happy pills, so it's not the happy pill that's making you happy, it's the water that you take to swallow the pill. Exactly. Exactly. So check this and out. happy pill's just a placebo. <laughs> to get you to drink more water. Uh-huh. Can you take pills dry? Yeah. Yeah, same. So I'm so like, oh, we're, purpose, we're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> but check this out. Um Almost 10,000 Americans uh, were asked how much water they consume on average versus how happy they felt. Like, okay. And they 10,000. That's a big study. Yeah. And so um, the results showed that 67% of respondents who drank more than enough water evaluated themselves as very happy like that which is the top of the you know of the scale of happiness so 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 yeah if if the, you drank more than enough water okay but here's my question is this cause or effect in other words is the extra water causing them to be happy or do happy people take better care of their health 
Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> what kind of parameter would you need to add to find I don't that know. one? I, I'm assuming that when they did the study and they did the research, they actually had um, thought of that because that's mm-hmm. the sort of like the first thing that pops into my mind. And um, I assume they, 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 they factored that in. Maybe they're just like, look, correlation, causation, same thing. Just like, yeah, yeah well. whatever. Um, but only this is this is the one that's interesting though. Only twenty, so that's sixty-seven percent of people who drink more than enough water said they were very happy. But only twenty-one percent of those who didn't drink enough water said they were very happy. So it was like a that's that's very interesting. like a fifty percent difference between those who drink enough water and those who don't drink. Okay, so what did water. they put down as enough? How much water did we need to so drink to be happy? So more than enough was considered ten plus glasses of water a day. Oh my goodness! So I am way behind at the moment. <laughs> Same. I'm way 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 behind. I'm at about four at the moment. But the interesting thing was, is that like statistically, like so eighty, so ten, ten plus glasses of water um, were the most likely to be happy. But also at the same time, like there was like a big, you know, because it's like kind of on a on a on a bell curve, like it's you know very happy, somewhat happy, you know, happy a little bit, not very happy, um, and it just kind of like they they saw clearly that like most of those 10 plus glasses day drinkers, they were very happy and it kind of like was a bit of a, a curve down in the fact that the more water you drank, the happier you felt. That's like basically the point it was, it was, it was, uh, it was getting at. Um, whereas like, yeah, it was just the other way around. So basically if you don't drink enough water, you won't be happy. There you go. There you go. So you want to be happy? Um, no Jesus and drink water. No Jesus and drink water. Um, but you know the most interesting thing that I found. Well, one of the most interesting things that I found about this study is that um, is there was a number of reasons that were given as to why people didn't drink enough water. Mm-hmm. There was seven of them, um, and the highest rated one at forty four percent was I don't feel thirsty that often. And is that? Because I go through that all the time. I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, I don't need to drink water. I'm like just not even thirsty. And then I don't. I struggle drinking water during winter because I don't feel thirsty. I feel thirsty in summer all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I don't, particularly because I don't use an um, air con. Um, I avoid air cons. Uh, definitely feel thirsty a lot. And, um, yeah, so I don't really struggle that much through summer. But come wintertime, yeah, I have my two glasses in the morning when I wake up. And I can often go the rest of the day without drinking again. Yeah. Which is really, fully. really, really bad. Yeah, fully. You know, one of the other, like the second highest one at 42% is like, I prefer to drink other beverages. Some people just like, oh yeah, water doesn't taste that good. But the one that got me a bit like, got me laughing is that 22% of the people in the survey said that um, they don't trust water from the tap. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So You've it's like the reason they don't drink enough water is because the tap water is going to kill like them. Like they do realise, right, that Mount Franklin comes out of a tap. I'm sure, hopefully. Please, <laughs> somebody tell me that people realise that this is where, where your water is coming from when you buy it in a it's bottle. Awesome. <laughs> Ridiculous. Dude. I mean, do they seriously think that they've got somewhere, somewhere on the other side of the planet, you know, people you know, dipping, into a, dipping water bottles into a spring somewhere and then, and then putting a lid on it and selling it? Dude, but it's like, it's the government, man. 
it's the it's the fluoride and the tap water. That's 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 the big issue. Is that like people don't trust the water that comes out of a tap because okay. So, but the there's government. an easy solution to this: get a water filter, or buy a tank. Even better still, buy a tank and drink <laughs> rainwater. Yeah, and then you, you, you have no happy. idea. You have no idea how people freak out uh, when I tell them that I drink rainwater. Like off the roof? Are you serious? <laughs> just, it's nuts. Lyle has diseases from the roof. Classic. Oh, Shell's nodding. <laughs> uh, I've lived off rainwater nearly my whole life, just about. Well, by, by far the majority of my life, I should say. And rainwater is the best. It tastes so much nicer than. Dude, it what? tastes amazing. It does. You know, it's so funny. I, I know a guy who, like, his dad grew up on a farm and they would drink water out of the creek they had freshwater creek Mm -hmm. and it would go through like barely any filtration and so there were times where you would like look at the glass at a funny angle and you could see tadpoles swimming in the water (laughs) and that's just the water that they drank bit of protein yeah Yeah, no worries swallow that tadpole down we'll check it out because of that that means that that guy can go to any country and not get sick Possibly, possibly. Yes, super high. When I grew up in system. Tasmania, we never carried water. When you went hiking, you never carried water. It's like, why would you carry water? You know, we go hiking because there's so much water in Tasmania, water yeah. everywhere. And you just carry, if, if anything, you just carry a cup. And, and, you know, we just, you know, you go fishing down the Huon River, you just take a cup, you don't carry water. It's like the best water on the planet. But <laughs> up here on the mainland, yeah, not so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I wouldn't be dipping a cup into the Hunter River. Oh, no, I would not either. <laughs> no way. Um, finally here, um, check this out. A neurosurgeon in New Orleans negotiated twenty uh, negotiated a 25% pay cut that he opted for in exchange for longer holidays so that he could provide free medical care in his homeland of Nigeria. Oh, that's cool. That is so cool. So this guy, his name's Awali Suleiman, um, and he's 49, and he's free, he's from the new, um, new Orleans. Um, and he's a professor of neurosurgery and spinal surgery at the uh, Oshner Neuroscience Institute in New Orleans. He lives in new, new, uh, Louisiana. And basically, he negotiated with his employees. He's like, look, I want less pay, like a 25% pay cut and more time off so that I can fly over to Nigeria and do more free health work. And so he spends about 12 days a month there. So really? 12 days um, each month, he flies over to Nigeria, does like a tour, providing free health care to different towns, then flies home for a bit. That's super awesome. So this guy more is like amazing. Yeah. And he himself, he's from Nigeria and he grew up in a super poor region before he ended up getting a scholarship to a Belgium university to study neuroscience. Topped his class. He's like the top of his field. He's a professor now. And now he just, yeah, he's got heaps of money. So just- This is not the normal story we have coming out of Nigeria. No, no, it is not. The normal story we have coming out of Nigeria is either young girls being kidnapped or um, scams or romance scams or telephone scams or internet scams or religious or scams, scams. <laughs> religious scams or scams it's just like the scammiest country on the planet so but this guy he's just killing it he is he's he is doing an awesome job and he started his own little um little uh what, what what's the word for it? not corporation own little foundation uh called rnc global and he just provides three help healthcare for developing countries so so yeah get amongst it this guy's awesome right now this is sonia isaacs with i know where there's water amen that's what we need a uh, good song choice
That was Sonia Isaacs you were listening to. I know where there's water here on Faith FM. Hey man, and I know where there's water right beside me in a cup that I just filled up because I was like, oh, I should drink more water. That's a glass. It's a glass. It is a glass. <laughs> <laughs> this is pick on Lawson morning this morning. I, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. I get it. Hey, uh, what, what's the next clue for our quiz? Okay, next clue for the quiz. So we know this guy, he debated with a group from the synagogue of the freedman. Let me write it down first. But also, who am I? Philip uh, Procurus. Yeah, well, I've got it right. <laughs> Philip Procurus, Nick, Nick, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, Nicholas, and I were chosen to care for widows so they weren't neglected. Um, and of course, I fully forgot to give you guys a number which you can call if you want to answer this quiz. So that's awkward. Everybody um, knows that number. But 1-800-324-843. If you know who this person is, give us a call and you'll get a free prize. I have a stack of prizes sitting beside me. I think I'm just going to leave it open to like to like what you want. So I have a Stones of Eden album. I have a book called Images Everything, which is an amazing book. I have another amazing book called Patriarchs and Prophets. Um... um I have another make. <laughs> okay, what what is that book that you're holding in your hand there right now? Uh, El, mis- El, Ministeri- El Ministerio de Corazón. Okay. Uh, basically, it's the Ministry of Healing in, in Spanish. Spanish. So, All right, if you cool, have a cool, Spanish cool. friend and you want to get the Ministry of or Healing... Or if you are Spanish, there's lots of Spanish people who listen to our show. True. If you're Spanish and you want the Ministry of Healing, well, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And you will, if you, we first have to answer the quiz. And there's a couple of other books there that Lawson just doesn't like. And then you'll get it completely for free. That yeah, the, just the illustration was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh. like, Way too cringy. That's the thing. It's like the content is great, but at the same time, it's just like, ugh, straight from the 90s, man. I'm, yeah, not... Not uh, not keen. Anyways, um, <laughs> Lyle, what have you got to talk about this morning? Okay, I have all kinds of things to talk about. Um, what should I talk about? Big snakes. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, let's talk about big snakes. <laughs> this actually has nothing to do with anything, but this um, guy in Queensland did find a snake skin that was uh, 7 metres, 21 feet long, which is pretty decent. 7 metres? 7 metres long. That- I'd like to come across that guy. While you're walking around in the bush. I'm like, in Australia. I'm like 170. I mean, that's like... Amazon size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is massive. That is a, <laughs> seven meters is a kind of height that you can die from. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, way, we that, should step this out across the uh, across the Roman Terrace Church here and just see how far that, that is because it's, it's a big, big, big snake. He's giant. If you got hold of you, you'd have a you'd have You're a battle gone, on your hands. bro. You're you would have a battle done. on your hands. Anyway, let's talk more about <laughs> vaping. We've been covering this story. Oh, yes. This one just refuses to go out of the news. Um, and it seems that the world has suddenly erupted with um, vaping uh, deaths and vaping yep. disease. Uh, and, and maybe that's because, you know, vaping's been around for 10 years and it's taken 10 years for it mm-hmm. to actually kick in. But mm-hmm. uh, people are uh, developing massive toxicity as a result of vaping. It's become huge in the United States amongst young people in particular. Uh, of course, these are companies that are owned by the cigarette companies and they've gone, you know what, we can't sell cigarettes anymore because everybody knows that's going to kill them. So we come up with something new and now they've come up with vaping. And uh, yeah, an- another whole slew of deaths just this week mm. uh, in the United States um, directly linked to uh, to vaping. Um, 1,080 people um, that have been hospitalized. It's gone up a jump of 275 people wow. in the last week. 
So it seems to be we've just got an epidemic that is hitting now. 100%. And it sort of makes you stop and think, well, okay, what are we facing in the future? You know, if it's taken 10 years for this to actually kick in, and this is a bit of one of those long-term things, is it is it going to be a, a more sudden killer than smoking? Because we know that smoking kills people, you know, over a fairly long period of time. But is this one going to, you know, just, just you, you, you'd find one day and dead the next kind of thing? Um, it's a bit worrying. It's a bit it worrying. is super worrying. But I think from the outset, it's just so clear to see why vaping would be bad for you. Well, well where, where did where did it where did it ever become a good idea to breathe in smoke? Exactly. Well, but it's the thing about vaping is that it's steam. And now that is like the reason these people are getting hospitalized and dying is because of pneumonia. And that is the A1 way to get pneumonia. In fact, my dad, one time, he's like a tradie bloke, but has then own trade companies and stuff. But he, he was uh, working in a paper mill one time and there's heaps of steam in paper mill when they make paper. And he caught pneumonia from it because he was inhaling so much steam all the time. Like inhaling steam is... Yeah, and of course there's a coating like, that it places on your lungs um, you know, that uh, stops your lungs from being able to work. And if you've got, if you've got um, all those little cells inside of your lungs that are supposed to be you know, catching oxygen and then putting it into your bloodstream mm-hmm. that have actually been coated with um, a fatty substance so that they can't, mm-hmm. you then combine that with pneumonia, you're done. You, you're just gone. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I think, though, as well, the, the most... In, like, another interesting thing about it is that it was... I remember at first, like, e-cigarettes and everything was supposed to be, like, a replacement, like a stepping well, this stone is away the thing. This is the thing. They have been promoted as a healthy alternative. Yeah. As the non-harm alternative. And that is not the case. Uh, these people are not dying from nicotine-necessarily-based yeah. um, vaping. They're just dying from vaping. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, other stories from around the world. What have we got over here? Let's talk about sexting. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> not the conversation I thought I'd have with you, Lyle, but all right. Okay, child safety experts say that school-based sex educa- pro- education programs aren't keeping up with the times or the technology oh, when it comes to sexting. Totally not. Um, research reveals that one in three teens engage in the practice. And this is creating a bit of a nightmare for law enforcement because mm-hmm. what it's doing is it's flooding the white internet with child pornography. Mm-hmm. So child pornography used to be the domain of the dark the dark web. Yeah. But this is flooding the um, the white web with child pornography that then finds its way through to the dark web. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, it's it's you know, one in three um, are involved in sexting, one in ten report that their uh, images have been misused. Yeah. And so and there's a whole bunch of kids that are starting to now be arrested for all kinds of crimes yeah. that they don't even realise are crimes. Mm. And, of course, sex education doesn't address the, these kinds of issues uh, because sex education, you know, curriculums generally lag behind society by about 30 years, which is why we still teach evolution in our schools. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and sexting is right up there with that as uh, one of these big problems that you know children are later going to regret and then of course you get these crossover periods where you might um as a 17 year old sex to you you know send a, a nude photo to your your 17 year old uh boyfriend or girlfriend and then they have a birthday and they suddenly turn 18 and suddenly um there's it's it's pedophilia yeah fully 
and and you know as a whole new level of illegal you know and legal consequences that are involved in it and so this is a bit of a bit of a nightmare and you know you've got law enforcement that are wading through this massive amount of child pornography that is out there trying to close down child porn sites and you know it's not sexting is not illegal for teenagers Mm. It's not a good idea. In fact, it's a terrible idea. It I mean, is. And, 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 and so they're wading through all of this material and they've got to try and then determine, okay, was this an illegally taken photo? Was it a legally taken photo? You know, and, and it just makes it impossible to catch, you know, not impossible, but, but very challenging to catch pedophiles who are really, really, you know, exploiting children. And then, of course, you have a whole bunch of pedophiles out there that like, you know what, we don't need to exploit, exploit children. We just need to uh, tap into these digital sources so that mm-hmm. we can, uh, you know, grab the material that's already out there. And that's a whole lot less risky for them. Yeah, it's so funny, like when you say, you know, it's following in the wake, like, you know, the efforts to try and stop this from the schools and sex education, like... Yeah, I remember, yeah, year seven, you know, when you sit down and you have the talk, like, in school, and and um, it wasn't even a part of the conversation, even though, like, this, so I was in year seven in 2011, that shows how young I am, um, and that was, like, iPhone 4 era, uh-huh. and that was, like, dude, it was, the explosion of that already really happened in, like, the flip phone yeah. era, yeah, and that's by, right. by that point, like, it was just, oh, man, and, like, I was 13, and it was just massive. It was just a huge thing. So I think, yeah, we're, we're just. Oh, and we're now it's 2019. And now and we still do. haven't even caught up. Seriously. <laughs> okay, so this is something for, that parents need to uh, step in. Um, parents always should be the ones who provide sex education, and particularly mm-hmm. in areas like this.
Back everybody, you're listening to Faith FM. We're about to get into our interview of the day, but before we do, Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Oh, yes, another clue for the quiz. Who am I? My clothes were laid at the feet of a man named Saul. There you go. If you know who that is, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you'll get a prize completely for free. Um, you just have to answer the question. Okay, so uh, joining us on the phone this morning is one of our regulars, uh, Dr. John Ashton, uh, who talks to us about Evolution Impossible and his book, Evolution Impossible. Uh, Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, yes, we got you there. Sorry, um, the microphone may have been switched off. Your microphone may may have been switched off there just for a moment. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Uh, Last week, last month, we talked about rates of erosion. This week, this month, uh, we're going to talk about radiometric dating. So this is something that uh, we hear about regularly. Um, We often find, you know, rocks and so forth that are dated this way. And of course, they give us dates that are many millions of years of in, in, in age at various times. I'm wondering whether you can just unpack this for us a little bit and explain what is going on with um, radiometric dating. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, just over a hundred years ago, it was uh, discovered that uh, certain elements, uh, well, particularly uranium, was uh, radioactive and uh, decayed through series of processes to, uh, uh, to other elements, through to thorium and then to lead. And that uh, this process was calculated to take uh, billions of years for half the amount of uh, uranium to decay. And a number of other elements were, uh, combinations were uh, studied, uh, such as uh, potassium and argon, so potassium decaying into argon, 
um, samarium into neodymium and, and so forth. And the, <coughs> pardon me, the time taken to, uh, for these elements to change was measured in terms of millions of years. So they essentially said, well, look, if we take some rocks and we work out how much uranium is there and how much lead is there or how much potassium is there and how much argon is there and we analyse them, we can work out how much uranium has changed to lead or potassium to argon or samarium to neodymium, whatever the, rate, whatever the combination is. And so from the chemical analysis of the rocks, we should be able to back calculate the age of the rocks. Now, they did this um, initially uh, back in the uh, uh, early 1900s for a series of uh, rocks in the Appalachian Mountains in the United States that were ranked at different levels in the geologic column. So these rocks were um, hundreds of millions of years apart and they dated them and they got results that were hundreds of millions of years different. And so that really cemented the whole concept of radiometric dating. Now, over the years, the, the method was improved, and particularly in just after the war in 1947, the really the first radiometric dating time scale was set up. And <coughs> me. since that time... Uh, radiometric dating measurements have been used to date then the fossils. Now, the rocks that the fossils are in can't really be dated directly because they don't have the minerals usually in them that are radioactive. So it's the volcanic rocks, the lava-type rocks that have the uh, elements in them, such as uranium and, and so forth, that are, are radioactive that can be dated. On the other hand, the other dating method that we hear about is carbon-14. Now, carbon-14 <coughs> dates the... Oh, well, let me go back a bit. So what happens is when we're dating a fossil, we date the volcanic rocks above the fossil in the layer and we date the volcanic rocks below the fossil in the layer. And say the, <coughs> the two dates came a, a 10 million years apart and the... Uh, fossil was about two-thirds the way up, then we would say that um, the, uh, the fossil was dated about 3.3 million years below the, the top layer. In other words, it's just proportioned on the distance that it is in the, in the uh, thickness of the, the layer between the two dates. So it's a very simple method. The problem is that it's based on a number of assumptions and those assumptions are that the, uh, the or daughter elements, that is the decay elements, um, were formed purely by radiometric decay. There were none there uh, initially, or there were none that were leached in or leached out. So the, the method is fraught with a whole lot of unproven assumptions. Now, the other <clears throat> method that can be used to date some fossils if there is some carbon left, and remember, all life is based on carbon. We... Uh, all living things, like all plants, are full of cellulose, which has a carbon structure. Same in our bodies. Our body is made up of proteins and fats and sugars, again, which all have carbon structures. So any living organism is uh, going to leave a carbon footprint um, unless it is completely replaced with minerals during fossilisation. So 
it is possible then to carbon-14 date. Now, carbon-14 has a half-life of only uh, in the order of 5,727 years. So after about 100,000 years, there would be no detectable carbon-14. So carbon-14 dating is used to date mainly historical-type you know, specimens. Mm, mm. So, yeah, so carbon-14 then would be mm. useful for an archaeologist rather than a paleontologist. Would that be the expectation? Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant way of saying it. That sums it up really well, Oh, yeah. So these are a more recent dates. So in the past, uh, fossils that were me believed to be millions of years old were never dated by carbon-14. Um, and the same, uh, and, and usually coal and these sort of things wasn't dated by carbon-14 because there shouldn't be any measurable carbon-14 there. But the exciting news is that they have now dated uh, dinosaur remains, they've dated coal, they've dated diamonds, and guess what? They've found carbon-14 there, and when they date it uh, by the carbon-14 method, it comes back as only tens of thousands of years old, which is really interesting. So a classic example, for example, that was uh, studies done by the University of London, Sweden, they... <clears throat> Uh, discovered a dinosaur that was 70 million years old uh, by conventional dating. They dated the, some of the carbon in the remains and they got only 25,000 years for the date. Now, that is a, a huge difference. So conventional <laughs> dating, the Cretaceous, 70 million years, come 14 dating, 25,000 years. Now, again, we might say, well, hang on, well, uh, the Bible says that the flood was only about 4,500 years ago. How can that fit? Now, one of the things that we need to understand, for example, with carbon-14 dating, is that the amount of carbon-14 in the atmosphere is dependent on the cosmic ray flux hitting the Earth. So how carbon-14 forms is that cosmic rays from outer space, which are high-energy charged particles, positively charged particles, protons, um, travelling through space, they collide with the upper atmosphere, they produce high-energy neutrons, some of the which are neutral, dense particles. They produce some high-energy, that is high-speed neutrons, that collide with nitrogen atoms in the, in the atmosphere. Nitrogen has a weight of, carb, of 14, but they, these high-energy particles knock out a proton from the centre of the nucleus of the nitrogen and replace it with the neutron. Now, that means that the nitrogen gas actually changes from a nitrogen atom to a carbon atom because an atom is defined by the number of protons in the nucleus. And so that's why we have now carbon-14, but this is unstable. It decays back to nitrogen slowly. And so that carbon-14 reacts very quickly with oxygen, uh, forms carbon dioxide, which then forms part of the atmosphere that is taken into the plants because the plants take carbon dioxide in. Now, the important thing is that that level of carbon-14 that we use to date things is based on the current level of carbon-14, which is based on the current cosmic ray flux. Now, the cosmic ray flux varies with the strength of the Earth's magnetic field. It varies with sort of sunbursts and, and other you know, uh, activities that are going on in the solar system. And... So we know in the past the Earth's magnetic field was much stronger. It's decayed 10% in, for example, in the last 150 years, the Earth's magnetic field. So a stronger magnetic field repels 
cosmic rays, which means that in the past there would have been lower carbon-14, which artificially gives you a longer age. Also, we know there was a lot more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere in the past. That's now being trapped in our massive coal deposits. We know the Earth was a lot warmer, hence the, you know, the climate and corals at the, where the South Pole was, forests and coal deposits at the South Pole and so forth. So when we take these correction factors in, these dates of around 25,000, 30,000 years that they typically get for uh, the dinosaur remains and coal and so forth, when we do the correction factors, it brings it back to about 5,000 years, the biblical time for around the flood. So we have, from radiometric dating, actually confirmation of the biblical dates from the flood, particularly from carbon-14. Yeah, that's absolutely stunning. Um, <clears throat> John, just going back to radiometric dating for a moment, when we talk about, say, for instance, um, and this was a, a thought that just sort of popped into my head as I was listening, when we talk about you know uranium turning into lead, um, and measuring you know, the rate at which that happens. There's two things that jump out to me. The first one I just want to mention um, is that is there the assumption that uh, when that piece of uranium or, or lead or, or somewhere in between um, first formed that it was pure uranium and it always forms as pure uranium and then gradually turns into lead? Yes, well, that's the assumption that has to be made. And, of course, what they're assuming is that with rocks, when they come out as lava, that everything's in equilibrium. And so the mixing is uniform, and therefore, as the rock sets, it can't mix anymore, and therefore, any decay that forms, any lead that forms around the uranium must have come from that uranium. But let me give you a a classic example that when we date volcanic rocks, by different methods, we get different ages for the same rocks. And this, this, is, this is classic. This you know, happens um, all the time, for example, with uh, uh, a, uh, a volcanic intrusion near the Somerset Dam in Queensland that was dated by different methods, uh, depending on whether you're using you know, samarium, neodymium or potassium argon or lead uh, uh, or uranium lead. You got ages ranging from you know 130 million years up to you know hundreds of millions of years for the same rock. Um, another uh, and also of course a, a really stunning example of this was when when uh, lava from Mount Nohoi in uh, the North Island New, Ze- New Zealand was dated. Now this volcano erupted in uh, the late 1940s and early 1950s. And samples of that lava that people saw erupt at that time were analysed at um, the uh, in the uh, School of Earth Sciences Department at the Australian National University. So this is you know one of Australia's top universities, if not the top university um, in Australia. Now, when that was analysed, those rocks were analysed in around about the year 2000. So they were roughly 50 years old. They gave dates ranging from hundreds of millions of years to thousands of millions of years for rocks that we knew were only 50 years old. Sure. Now, this you know, very, very significant. And what it means is that when we date a rock, how old is it? I mean, um, we, we just don't know. If young rocks give old ages, uh, how old is it? And, and, and this was an isolated case when they had analysed lava from historical eruptions in Hawaii, for example, they got the same thing. When they've analysed rocks 
from the Mount St Helens eruption that occurred in 1980, they still got hundreds of millions of years. Um, or it might have been, uh, might, uh, tens of millions of years. I think it was about 70 or 80 million years in that particular case they got for rocks that were sort of 10 years old. Um, another classic example, actually, that was reported in the literature was the, uh, the KBS tuff in, in, um, in Kenya. Now, this is a, a particular strata that is very rich in fossils and um, it's, it's had a lot of studies uh, done on it. Now, when it was um, dated uh, originally in the 1980s, uh, it was dated at about 220 million years, something like that. Then uh, that date didn't match some of the fossils there, so it was redated, um, and the new age was 260 million years, so that was a bit closer to the fossil ages. But then uh, Dr. Richard Leakey discovered a modern-looking human skull um, just below the layer, and that means that the layer must be younger than that. And so um, the, um, that, they went and redated the layer, and they got 2.9 million years then. So originally, <laughs> what was reported in the literature, the first dating, 230 million years. The next dating, 200, and that didn't fit the fossils. The fossils were meant to be older, so they dated 260 million years. Then Leakey discovers a, a human-like skull just below it, which means that the uh, that layer must be younger than that. So they redate it, they get 2.9 million years. And they say, oh, no, 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 that's too old. Um, and so then it was uh, redated by uh, the University of California, Berkeley, uh, more recently, and uh, the latest age is 1.6 million years. Okay, these are wildly varying dates. Yeah, our, our textbooks and our plaques, you know, on the on the side of the uh, the walking tracks in our national parks, do proclaim these dates with tremendous confidence. What's the response of the scientific community when when these kinds of uh, conflicting information comes out? Well, um, the 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 is particularly with the carbon fourteen dating, is to just ignore it, and. Um, so, for example, in the paper from the University of Lund, when you read the abstract, they don't mention anything about the carbon-14 dating. They, it's only mentioned in the results, and they don't sort of, yeah, so it's, it's not highlighted, it's hidden away. It was interesting, um, in about 2014 or 2015, a number of scientists from uh, Europe, a group of uh, scientists, uh, from Europe who were creationists had a number of dinosaur remains from uh, eight or ten different sites around the world, uh, carbon-14 dated, and all those sites returned uh, ages, as I said, they came back around about 25 or 30,000 years. Now, this was reported at the big geophysical uh, uh, union conference I think it was held in Malaysia or Indonesia, somewhere like that, that year. And uh, I can still remember when the um, uh, the conference uh, proceed, well, proceed, well, the, the conference uh, program was announced. This this report was listed, and I'm pretty sure it was on the Tuesday, and it was 5:15 p.m. Their talk was listed to be given, and uh, the title 
when they gave the, uh, the talk and showed that they got only thousands of years dates for all these dinosaur remains for carbon-14, when the proceedings came out, the, the, that paper was omitted. It wasn't in the published proceedings. Wow. Dr. Go John Ashton, I'm, I'm sorry, but we have to butt in here because we are way out of time, but uh, just stunning information that you're sharing with us this morning from your book, Evolution Impossible. I'm going to talk more about it when we come back, but uh, thank you so much for joining us again this morning. This is my father's world to my listening ears How nature sings And round me rings The music of the spheres This is my father's world I rest me And the wonders wrought This is my father's world Oh, and let me never forget That though the wrong seems often so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my father's word Oh, the battle is not done Cause Jesus who died will be satisfied to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh, 
rains flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Son and